0: Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their nine-to-five, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract. And at 27 years old, was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system And hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams. And in this episode, we're talking about the tax benefits of being invested in multifamily. Whether you're on the passive side or on the active side, you will get tax benefits. Now, the way that other people are talking about how you get tax benefits really Does depend on your specific tax situation. So, you're going to want to take everything that I said here right now and today, and then you're going to want to go to your right tax accountant, your uh, tax attorney, and uh, a CPA, and you want to ask these questions, also some type of wealth advisor. You want to ask these questions to the people that have intimate knowledge, not only of the laws and how they change, but also have intimate knowledge of you and your specific situation. So what I'm sharing today is not tax advice. What I'm sharing is more for informational and or entertainment purposes only, okay? So don't take everything that I say and go and just expect that this is a blanket thing that's going to work for everybody. Your situation is going to be different. I'll give you one example of an issue that I hear a lot of times is that many, many, many uh, many active sponsors who are the general partner, the operator of a syndication deal, many of them say to you as as if they were some type of CPA or or your tax attorney, and they tell you, uh, usually wrongfully, they tell you, "Hey, you're making four hundred grand a year, and since you're making four hundred grand a year, you're paying way too much in taxes." And so all of a sudden, they pretend to know for a fact that your active income that you're getting in to your bank account month in and month out, 36 grand or whatever the, that would end up being, they pretend to, to know, and I think wrongfully so, you'll have to talk to your advisor to figure this out, but they act as if if you put all, all of your extra money to this uh, to this asset class, multifamily syndication, that all of a sudden you're gonna pay less in taxes on the active income that you make. You're gonna want to have some red flags go up and then you're gonna wanna go and talk to your advisor because oftentimes the only money that you can take th- that depreciation, you can take that those losses on your K-1s is not through your active, but from your passive income. So you have to be making passive income. But again, I'm not a lawyer. I am not a CPA. I'm not an accountant, and I'm not giving you specific advice. What I'm sharing means that you're going to have to go out and find this information for yourself. Like I said, this is the third benefit in this episode. It's the third of five Ways that you make money in multifamily and really what we're talking about is tax benefits and there's a lot of different tax benefits toward being involved in a syndication in this episode we're going to talk about things like the entity structure that you use and how it might be able to affect you what is a K1 anyway. We'll talk a little bit about depreciation and this recent thing that came out about bonus depreciation, and we'll talk a little bit about cost segregation. We won't get too much in the weeds, but this episode's going to be somewhere around 15 minutes as we get into the nitty gritty to help you understand it a little bit more. By the way, these episodes, these five episodes, as we discuss the five ways that you make money in multifamily. As we discuss this, I want you to remember that it's brought to you by the Raising Money Summit. What's the Raising Money Summit, you ask? Well, I'm surprised you're asking because everyone should be knowing what the Raising Money Summit is. We are marketing it heavily on social media, and we've talked about it a lot of times on this podcast. Now, why are we putting so much marketing dollars toward the Raising Money Summit, and why are we mentioning it in- each and every podcast as we go. It's because I believe that the Raising Money Summit will change your life. I know that's a crazy, outlandish claim, but I do believe wholeheartedly that the Raising Money Summit is going to change your life. And it doesn't matter what part of the what role that you're going to be playing in multifamily. I know that multifamily is the right way, is the best way, will make you the most amount of money, will. Uh, stand strongest against a recession, an upturn, a downturn, a flat turn, multifamily is the way to go. And as we try to discuss, and as I mentioned a second ago, that it doesn't matter what role you're gonna play. Let's just say that you are going to be an operator and you don't know how to raise money. Well, you're either gonna have to give up a lot of equity to somebody else to raise the money for you, or you 're going to have to start learning how to raise money let 's just say that you are a passive investor you you 're that person that i 'm talking to in today 's episode around tax benefits and how it can help you within syndication let 's say that's you you 're making four hundred grand a year you have thirty six thousand that you 're making every month. It doesn't take that for you to live. It only takes thirteen thousand for you to live. So you're making an extra, I don't know, twenty-one thousand dollars every single month. So every other month, you have more money than you need. Than you have to. to than you can even place into other things. So you need to get it passively invested into something. And you're wondering where to go. Well, syndication is the way, and the best way to meet the operator of your dreams. Let me say that again. The best way to meet the right person for you to place your liquid cash with in a syndication is gonna be at the Raising Money Summit on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So that's how it can benefit you. Let's just say you need to raise money. Boom, you've learned how to raise money. Let's say you're an operator and you need to meet money raisers. Boom, you have 400 of your target audience right there. Let's say that you want to do one of the eight other things that I mentioned, like supply earnest money. Boom, you've met the right person to supply earnest money with. Let's say you have a high net worth or a high liquidity. You don't want to put it into the deal, but you want to sign on the loan and get some equity and make some money. Boom, you've met your target audience. So that's why I'm so passionate about the Raising Money Summit. I know for a fact that the, the 400 bucks that it costs to go to the Raising Money Summit is uh, so low. This is the type of three-day conference that could easily cost five grand and you would get the value. Excuse the cough. All right, so we are into the tax benefits when investing in a a multifamily syndication, or really this works for almost any other syndication. So as you're receiving tax benefits when investing in a syndication, that's gonna depend on a few different factors. And the most common factors of influencing your potential uh, tax benefits are number one the entity type, you know whether you share in the profits of the deal, uh, whether you put in some capital, whether you've done both, whether you took an equity stake in that deal, or whether you're lending debt. All of these things can be factors on your tax benefits. Most syndications are structured as LLCs, and that's because LLCs are a very flexible entity. They have multiple ways that they can work, and the shareholders within the entity can have different classes of shares. For instance, there can be an A class, a B class, even a C class. Most of my syndications are class A shares for the passive investors and class B shares for the sponsor. But you can have another class for your passive investors that are using self-directed retirement accounts because those self-directed retirement accounts are usually not going to be having any depreciation, some of these tax benefits, because they're already, they're already tax benefit. They're, they already don't pay taxes, right? So they don't need any more tax benefits. They just already get them. So when you're an equity holder in the LLC, and then you receive uh, interest of, when you receive uh, that ownership stake and get profits, you're gonna receive a pro rata share of the whole profits and losses, okay? So the enti- you're just an equity shareholder and so you'll get your pro rata shares. And that means that you're gonna be allocated just a portion, your pro rata portion of whatever that tra- tax strategy to the entity is, whatever they're using. Uh, so when the uh, when the LLC is... Gets a, gets a tax return, they, they, that LLC is going to file a tax return. It's going to claim all of the income and all of the deductions available. And then you're going to get, whether you're on the active side or the passive side, you're going to get a K-1. Let me say that again. When that entity files its tax return and claims the income and the, and the expenses, the deductions, it's going to re, uh, to file... Uh, form K-1, and it issues that form to you as a passive or you as an active, and then your other partners that are passive or active will all get a K-1 when it's time to file the taxes, okay? And you'll be able to use that to prepare your tax return and report your share of the entity's profit and losses. And when you're a debt holder, when you own a a debt, um, instead of equity, which is as an equity, you, you receive parts of the profits as a debt, you receive just an interest rate. Okay. You just receive, uh, basically you create, uh, some type, there's there's a couple of ways to do this, but you, you're going to have some type of promissory note and maybe some collateral, right? So you're, you'll have maybe a mortgage, against the property. And then the promissory note just shows that you're going to get some debt. You're going to get some interest on your income. That's what happens when you're a debt holder instead of an equity holder. <coughs> Excuse me. If the, if the sponsors do a really good job and you're a debt holder, if the sponsor do a great job and all of a sudden the property makes way more money, well, you don't make any more than the interest that you uh, originally agreed to. But on the flip side, as a debt holder, if the property doesn't make money, if if you're gonna still get paid your interest rate, or if you don't get paid your interest rate, you can foreclose. But as an equity holder, and the property doesn't get paid, you're not gonna get paid, and you can't file a foreclosure that's the difference between debt and equity. You're not going to share in the properties uh, equity. You're not going to share in the profits or the losses, uh, meaning you're not going to benefit from any tax strat- any specific tax strategies that the entity is deploying. However, there is a difference between passive income and active income. And if you're, if you have passive income, it's taxed differently uh, at a lower rate than active income. So it can still benefit you to be a debt holder, even if you're not getting all of the upside and, and also because you're not having to deal with the downside. You also have the opportunity of the, the money that comes in is, is passive income. Uh, so that's going to be a way for you to save a little bit of money. It's important to note that you're generally not going to pay taxes on the funds that are distributed by the LLC unless the distribution exceeds your basis in the LLC, your pro rata share. That's a common point of confusion as some people, that they might receive 50K in distributions, but the form K1 that they receive actually shows a passive loss. Let me repeat that again because this happens many, many, many times. People that I work with, they might show on, uh, they might receive Let's just say, say they put a hundred grand out and I gave them 20 grand that year, uh, 20%. Okay. That'll be a great year, but let's just pretend, uh, they put in a hundred and they get 20 grand back. That's their actual cash on cash that they have in the bank. But when, they, when we file a Form D a, a form D, I'm thinking about the wrong thing, uh, a K-1, then we, they might actually see that they broke even or lost money. And they're going to scratch their head and they're going to say, Adam, you made a mistake. You gave me 20 grand, clearly, but on the K-1, ha, 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 you show that I only made three grand this year, go and fix it. And the answer is no, that's right. On paper, you made three grand, which means your taxes that you'll pay on the three grand is going to be very, 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 very small compared to if you got the whole 20 grand showing on the K1 because we were able to pass through the losses, pass through the deductions that we took as operators, which helped you save a little bit of money. And those distributions will instead lower your investor basis in the entire, in, into the uh, entire uh, entity and be considered uh, your return of capital. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about depreciation. It's an, depreciation is just a method of accounting that allocates the, the cost of the tangible part of the asset over its useful life which basically means that a light switch, a, uh, the walls, they're not going to last forever. It has a value and it deteriorates over time. And you are allowed to write that off. Even if you're not replacing the wall or the roof or the door handles or the light fixtures this year, you can write off, a portion of that over time. And in general, this there is two ways to look at this. On most commercial assets, it is I think 31 years. I need to look it up. I think it's 31 years and on most residential, it's 27 and a half years. Uh, don't don't quote me on these. You do the do your work, do your own due diligence, look them up if if the exact thing matters. I didn't pull it up before I was before I started, but there are figures that I've used before. So uh, that's what depreciation is. Now, there's something else called cost segregation that I promised you we were gonna discuss. Cost segregation is a way of depreciating your asset even faster. So instead of being 39 years or 27 and a half, again, instead of being 39 years or 27 and a half years, some of your personal property that's in the, in the building, light switches, fixtures, uh, paint, etc., carpet, will be able to be depreciated at an accelerated rate. Some might be 5, 7, 10, 12, 15, something like that, years, which will make it so that you can save more on taxes if your income is – if the income that you're offsetting is also – passive residual income. As I understand it, it doesn't uh, count against your active income. So what is active and in, in passive income? We've mentioned it a couple of times. Um, active income is things that you you get the money for services, things that you've performed. It's, it includes any wages that you might get, a salary, even tips or commissions. That's Active income, income from businesses where you had a material participation. Okay, remember that it's it's where you actually participated in what's happening. But passive income means you are uh, earning a regular income with little to no effort. So you, it's like having a rental. Uh, some of the things you'll do, like with the stock market, if you're putting money in the stock market. And absolutely, if you're passively invested in multifamily, that income is taxed as passive income. I hope that makes sense. I think we went over everything that I planned to cover, and I hope I did it within the time that I allotted. So, in the next episode, we're about to share, we're going to be talking about cash flow. And it's obvious what cash flow is, but I'm going to try to give you some insight that you've never heard before. So I'll see you on the next episode. I'm grateful to have you as a listener of the podcast. Please, if you'd like to meet in person, make sure you grab your tickets to the Raising Money Summit, which is October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So it's coming right up. Grab your tickets. Let's meet in person. You'll get a ton of value. So I can't wait to meet you there.